This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. Welcome to Moving Day on Trot's Life. Just Toby McKinnon with you on Thursdays now, and I have a range of guests from across the across the spectrum. We've got Jamie Cockshut from Taz Racing in the back nine with Mick Gurren in the back nine as well. Bernie Hewitt will join us uh, in the first hour, and also Tim O'Connor. And we're naming this first segment "Teeing Off with Tim." And people that know me know that. Uh, I'm a big kid at heart, really, and I feel like a kid with a new toy here as I've been busy this morning working on an intro for Teeing Off With Tim. So uh, I'll play that now. Let's uh, see how I went with it. And uh, Tim's down the line and we'll get a reaction from Tim off the back of it. Ladies and gentlemen, our first player to tee off this morning, Tim O'Connor from Ballarat. In Australia. Get in the hole! Radio team. <laughs> not bad. Not bad from you. Good to be on. Um, that sounded like a good shot off the tee, to be fair. So, uh, did it end up going in? It, uh, well, that's that's for the listeners to find out, and I suppose <laughs> I if you if you perform well here, then maybe they'll say it's a hole in one. I'm not sure, mate. Well, that'll be great. You've done a good job there. I was waiting for the Tiger Woods uh, chip at the Masters where he chips it up from off the back of the green, and um, what's the commentator says? Oh my word! <laughs> uh, and then it tri- trickles in on the yeah, uh, yeah the sixteenth yeah, yeah. hole or whatever it is, one of the greatest shots of all time. But no, I'll take that teeing off with Tim. Uh, we can't be chipping or putting. We've got to be off the uh, yeah, off the tee box. So. True, true. Looking forward to a big show. We've got plenty to chat about. Yeah, we do, mate. And uh, there's a pit going on on the weekend. There's all sorts of Breeders' Crown races, and I'll be catching up with Bernie Hewitt about a few of those. And plus, he's got horses running in Group 1s in Sydney as well. He's a busy man, the whole Hewitt family. But there's a pretty important free-for-all trot as well, which I I don't think it's been lost in amongst it. But uh, rules don't apply returns. He comes off the back of a good trial, and Majestuoso returns as well, Tim. Yeah, it's a great little race, isn't it? Race 10 on the card, uh, 20-odd, 22 past 10. It's... um 
just given the quality of racing across that whole Melton card, it, it hasn't, as you said, it hasn't been lost, but it's it's certainly not the highlight of the meeting. But uh, I had a quick chat to uh, Andy Gaff, uh, the trainer of Majestuoso. So of course, I mean, he really for the last I don't know, at least the last year, he's been our standout trotter. You could argue across both uh, Australia and New Zealand, and he's just been forgotten a little bit, I reckon, just with his um, problems. So uh, he won the Great Southern Star there, going back at the start of the year. But he he came back for three runs there, if you remember, uh, might have been through July and June or something like that. I've yeah. got the form in front of me. Yeah, it was through um, June and July. And he, he didn't win a race. Um, he tied up first up, and then he. He didn't go bad, but he never won. He ran second at Melton and then third at Shepparton on July 2. Just telling Andy about what the case, what the problem with him was. So he actually had a really severe pulled muscle in his back, which I only learned about this morning. And it, it was so severe. Well, it wasn't. Um, he, he wasn't confined to a tiny little box like you'd like you'd see for a horse with a broken leg or, or something like that. But he was confined for about six weeks there, um, just to make sure he didn't, you know, overexert himself and, and keep re-injuring that that strained uh, muscle in his back. He was then put through the water walker and has come back into work. So he was going to trial on Tuesday at Melton. That didn't happen. Andy decided to uh, wait and just race him here on Saturday night at Melton. He's out of the draw, but if he gets around safely, he'll be back in the draw and he'll go second up into the Inter-Dominion heats on the 26th of November. So... Andy's really wrapped with him. Just a couple of quick comments. He, he said he seems really good, and he won't be as at his extreme best on Saturday night, but he won't be far away. So, I mean, I asked Andy just in private, I said, can he win the Inter-Dominion? Because I, I said of he's been he a little can. bit forgotten, and he said, yeah, he can. So, I mean, he's still about 7 or $8, uh, and that's with Bolt for Brilliance in the field, Toby, who... Um, Can't win. Well, he, he's no certainty to come. Correct. Um, on the back of his recent... I know I read a story from Michael Guerin during the week. Uh, they're still aiming to get here. Tony uh, Hurley, he's, that's the plan. But he's not going to race in the Dominion on Friday. Um, he's got to be... He's $2.50 in the fixed odds market. I mean... Too short. Uh, he's about 10 bucks to... He's probably 5 bucks to even come to Australia. So, <laughs> anyway, Majestuoso. And he's really happy. He's recovered from that serious uh, muscle strain in his back. He'll race on Saturday night, and then he'll go second up, hopefully back in the draw into the Inter-Dominion heats on November 26th at Ballarat. It just seems to me he's not the sort of horse I'd have $1,000 on to win on Saturday night. It just seems like they'll be looking after him first up from that outside of the front row. I would have thought, Tim. Yeah, and uh, Andy <clears throat> made mention of the, the outside of the front row draw. He said he would have preferred to be off the back. Um, mm. yeah, there's only one horse off the back, and that's always ready. So... Look, yeah, I wouldn't be uh, charging into him. I mean, he can win. Of course he can. He's he's the best horse in that race. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's bigger fish to fry as they're going forward. But just interesting to learn that he did have a really significant problem because you could have been, you know, you could have looked at his last three runs and thought he's just not the same horse. But there's obviously some, uh, some reasons behind that. So a severe pulled muscle in his back. He's back now. Uh, I won't be diving into him on Saturday night, but I, I might even have a futures bet because I do think um, the way this series is shaping up, he if he gets back to anywhere near his best, he's got to be the horse to beat. Patrick from Melton wants to know what we're going to call this show. Well, it's Moving Day, Patrick. That's what it's called. It's not Tim and Tobes Thursdays or Wombat and Talk. <laughs> it's just called Moving Day. Uh, and this is the first segment is teeing off with Tim is what I uh, called it. Uh I just make this stuff up and we just Maybe go I with it. I should come in with a rant each week. I mightn't have my job for too long, but I could come in with a rant uh, about something that I'm disgruntled with or um, can really tee off. But um, I, no, I'll keep it all. I'll keep it all civil. Yeah, I, I had half a rant yesterday. Not a rant, I suppose, but the um, Australian driving champion for the year. I, I suppose that's what you would call it for the driver that drives the most wins in Australia. And 
It was off the back of James Herbertson getting the 200 at Mildura. He's up to 202 now uh, after a couple of winners at Ballarat. But Pete McMullen's 221. Gary Hall Jr., 211. James Herbertson, 200. Cam Hart, 192. Mark Pitt, 188. That was yesterday. And I put a poll up on Twitter. Just, I think, Tim, that Mark Pitt could potentially catch Peter McMullen. Like, he's 33 wins behind, yes. But we know what we know, but we know how strong Emma Stewart is in the last few months of the year. There's going to be a whole heap of Vic Bread heats. Now, you make a good point there. (laughs) She could win a dozen Vic Bread heats over the course of two or three days, plus semi finals, plus everything else. Mark Pitt is not without a chance of actually winning the Australian Drivers' Championship. I I had him penciled in to come on today, unfortunately. He's got another uh, appointment, which I believe, whilst he's driving. And this is the dedication of Trot's drivers. He's driving. He's got someone driving him to Maryborough, and he's taking an appointment that he needed to get done uh, on the phone whilst uh, he's in the passenger seat. You know, they just don't get time to do these things like you and I would. We just take the hour off, you know. That's right. Well, hopefully it's not another radio show that he's doing, because um, that would be disappointing. But uh, uh, well, he didn't say that, but that's possible, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I'll put that in your mind. No, I was actually having a look when we spoke about it last night at the Ballarat Trots table. I've had, I've had, the, um, had again, the national top twenty mm-hmm. statistics up. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't. I'm trying to think. Your question was who will win it. Yep. I reckon Peter McMullen's got enough of a break, at least on Herb. To make up 20 in twenty wins in about, what, 40 days, 50 days, will be hard. Uh, I'm going to go with Pete McMullen to win it overall. He's 221, as you said, and uh, James Herbertson, 202. One, the one thing about pity that I did that stood out to me looking at these stats, he's on 188 <laughs> winners. He's done it from 479 drives. James Herbertson's taken 1,421 drives to get his 202. So nearly 1,000 more drives for Herb. Uh, and he's only managed to get 14 more winners. I mean, it's remarkable uh, with Mark Pitt driving so many of Emma Stewart's um, short price favourites. And I think that's a credit to both of them for what they're doing. Pitty obviously yep. driving for such a strong stable, so he's he's got a high percentage of winners, which is a fair achievement. And I think the dedication and commitment of James Herbertson to get around to all these tracks and just keep driving no horses doubt. is as big a tick as what it is for Mark. So... If you're listening, mm. Herb, you know how much I love you, and Tim loves you too. So we're not. I agree. We're not. No, yet but I, f- I was going to say the same thing. And, and yeah. the other thing with um, Herb, um, uh, he draw and him just off the top of my head now. He get, he's getting him up for for littler trainers at twenty thirty dollars. Yeah. I mean, he got that one up in the first leg of the Cordy last night that would have knocked most people out at twenty odd dollars. So, um, you know, he's the he's the young Michael Bellman, isn't he? On his way through, driving for a stack of different stables. He's not driving. He doesn't drive many short price favourites. Um, he's just a remarkable. And I messaged him yesterday to say, "Well done, mate, on the two hundred and um, that I couldn't believe he was already there." And he he just said, "Thanks, mate, um, but the job's not done yet." That's the um, you know that sums him up, doesn't it? It does sum him up a bit. As you know, I talk to him nearly every day. As I'm at the trots or, or texting him anyway. So uh, and that's normally a bit more lighthearted stuff because try and keep things. They need a break from it sometimes, from just the pure trotting uh, stuff. So I do have a bit of fun with him behind the scenes. And uh, he'll be filthy on you saying that he's the new Mick Bellman. He'd say he's well past him. But that's okay. 
Yeah, uh, it looks a bit like him, to be fair. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> I think you've just insulted two of our participants. This might be the last thing. one go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you couldn't beat two better blokes to hang a bit of stuff with either because they'll just... I've topped two <laughs> off the tee. <laughs> yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> uh, very good. Now, someone is... Uh, oh, yep, Bernie Hewitt's just giving me the thumbs up. So he's all good for 1140 for those listening out for Bernie Hewitt. Uh, Breeders' Crown Barriers on... Uh, after these semi-finals, we know barrier draws win races, and how important will they be? We've got what Bernie Hewitt on right. Rip just about undefeated when he leads. Jewel Melody undefeated when she leads. Like, how important will the barrier draws be on Saturday night, Tim? And when will they be done, mate? <clears throat> yeah, massive. They're going to be huge, hugely important, aren't they? Of course, uh, the semi-finals, eight semi-finals for the Pacers, two and three-year-olds run on Saturday night, and then uh, I've got the times here. So, one other good thing that that's been that's happening on Saturday night too, Toby. And there might be some listeners that have a share in a horse running in the semis on Saturday night, and they're not aware of this. Uh, if you're one of the connections, you can actually go and draw your barrier out on Saturday night. So. I'm not sure if it happened last year. I wouldn't have thought so with the the COVID laws and everything. So I'm not sure when this last happened. But, um, yeah, if you head Great to the Scotch Southern Notch Star. Cafe. Great Southern Star. Yeah, was it then, was it? Mm. Okay. Um, but you're, if you're an owner of a horse running Saturday night and you get through to the final, you're invited to draw your horse uh, in the Scotch Notch Cafe, which is just past the winning post there at Melton. Uh, you need to be there 10 minutes before the draw. So the draws will st- uh, take place. They will be broadcast live on Trots Vision as well for those tuning in from home. 8.42 p.m. will be the two-year-old trotters, uh, both boys and girls, at 8.42. And then at 9.14 will be the three-year-old Trotters, boys and girls. So 8.42 and 9.14 for the, the Trotters. And then at 9.47, the two-year-old pacing fillies and the two-year-old pacing colts and geldings. And the final draws will be done at 10.22. The three-year-old pacing fillies and the three-year-old pacing colts and geldings. So, yeah, if you can't be on track, tune into Trots Vision. It'll be really intriguing. But if you are on track and you are an owner, make sure you get down to the, the Scotch Notch Cafe. And uh, I'm not sure what they're doing. Probably little trophies or something or balls out of the barrel. Make sure you head down there and get involved. So those draws will be after each race. So you, the times you've listed are, are actually race times at Melton. So I'd imagine they'll run the race and then they'll cross to yeah, the draw. Sorry, I have, yeah, sorry, I have. Yeah, I've yeah. read that wrong. So these are after, yeah, after, after the race. Um, so a few minutes after those those times, I guess. So but, after but, race seven, after race eight, after but, race nine, after race ten. But if you're an owner, be there at those times when that race starts so that so that they've got a chance to organise you and get you That's going. That's right. You've got to check in and stuff. So, yeah, anyway, uh, it'll all happen after, well, about 8.40 on Saturday night. Big bets, mate. You've opened up your wallet. Yeah, not me. Um, I lost a little bit last night at Ballarat, so there's not much left. But yeah, there's been a st- there's been a quite a bit of action here actually. This is through the TAB. I've got notes. um, oh, shit. <laughs> My sound must be leaking. This is not live audio, by the way. <laughs> You've got that on the button there, haven't you? Yeah. Um, there's been 16 four-figure bets, Toby, through the tab. Uh, that was at about 1 p.m. yesterday on the Breeders' Crown semis. I might just whip through a couple, a few um, of note. There's been $5,000 placed on the Lost Storm at $1.35 to win the opening race on the card. A couple of other four-figure bets uh, in that race as well. But the Lost Storm, $5,000 at $1.35. Um, you're speaking to Bernie Hewitt later. Jewel Melody, I don't know if these are, uh, or whose money this is, maybe one of his connections. Uh, $1,500 at $240. Wow. 1000 at $2. $1,500 at $1.95. So they've backed Jewel Melody in from 240 with three good bets there. Um, that that says what, she's going forward to me. Yeah, what's she drawing? She's seven. Six, five, seven. Seven. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you'd think so. Um, and for memory, is the main danger off the back row? Tempting Tigers is off the back row. Soho Seraphine from the pole is a big danger. Hand up, maybe. Hand yes. up, and she's a very nice filly. Yeah, she is. So good bets there for Jewel Melody if you fancy her. There's a lot of support. Uh, race five, not a, a Breeders' Crown uh, semi, but Torrid Saints being met with some good support here. 1100 at 240 and 1500 at $2 for Torrid Saint to win the fifth. Um, race mm. six, Soho Historia has been well-backed. $2,250 at $1.95 and $1,500 at $250. Um, down to race seven. This is an interesting one. Two thousand dollars on in cipher at a dollar seventy. Also a twelve hundred dollar bet at a dollar seventy for a more Vita to run a place. I don't mind that. Um, there's been other bets on in cipher too. Two thousand two hundred and fifty to dollar ninety five. So she is really well fancied there. Um, this is the place a more Vita. That's value. Yeah, I know. I like that bet. Uh, that's probably one that stood out to me. I thought that was. I wish I was on there. Twelve hundred a dollar seventy a more Vita. Yeah. Um, yeah. She'll run a place for just about for sure. Um, in race eight, this is this is a horse I liked, and I'm not surprised to see it well backed. Uh, no four figure bets, but good support for interest free. Seven hundred dollars at four, five hundred dollars at two eighty, six hundred dollars at two eighty, and another five hundred dollar bet at three dollars. So interest free, well fancied there in race eight, and probably the last sure. one to mention, race ten, uh, Elder Baron Zeus, twelve hundred and fifty at two dollars eighty for Elder Baron Zeus to win the tenth. Be some of Jerry Harvey's money on interest free. Yeah, possibly. Uh, there's been some good wax, though. Um, Harvey Norman, interest-free. Oh, yes. Just Very got good. one straight past. You did. I, 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 didn't, I didn't edge it. I played, played and missed. And missed. Yep. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're the, they're the key bets for the tab uh, as of about 1 p.m. yesterday for the Breeders' Crown Semis on Saturday night. Rock and roll do was not – he was not disappointing the other day. He went terrific on times. Unbelievable the times they ran. Uh, he backs up tomorrow. We'll have Mick Gurin on later, so no doubt he'll talk to this a bit too. I don't know what news you've got on him. No, no news, but uh, I just wanted to mention that he is going around. There'd be some people who thought, oh, well, that was it. He uh, he was running in the New Zealand Cup. He didn't win that. He obviously galloped uh, there at the start and cost himself there, but he's going around barrier five in the mobile start condition, so he draws fairly well, and off the mobile, you'd think that'd suit him a lot better. In the Group 1, Canterbury, New Zealand, pacing free-for-all. It's uh, a $200,000 race run tomorrow, so... I don't know for sure, but I assume that'll be his last race uh, before heading back here. They're not going to the Inter Dominion, so um, oh, I didn't think they would. No, and that's just worth noting. Um, I saw Adam Hamilton tweeted out yesterday, but uh, at last look, he was still either favourite or right up in the markets on a number of bookmakers oh. to win the series, the Inter Dominion series, and he's not going there. What? So uh, just keep that in mind. Maybe you want to have a look at backing something else. I love the thought process. Put him out, give him a, a little freshen up, bring him back for the for the Hunter Cup Miracle Mile campaign, and he'll be just that bit fresher than everybody else. So I, I love what he's doing, Mix. And it worked down. with Queensland, didn't it? They yeah, bypassed Queensland. Yeah, um, yeah. And then they cash in with the Kilmore Cup and the Victoria Cup and have the opportunity to go to New Zealand. Because he wouldn't have gone to New Zealand, would he, if he went to Queensland? Probably not. No, he wouldn't you have. You never no. know, but it no, would have. Yeah, it would have been a been unlikely. fair strain on a, on a horse of that ability, yeah. And that, and that age. So, uh, anyway, he's going around. Cheer him on. Hopefully, he can uh, do the Aussies proud and get a victory there in the group one. He's a $3 favourite on the tab right, as we speak right now. Good on you, Tim. Thank you very much, mate. I might just... I know it was an intro, but I'm going to play it as an outro as well because I'm that happy with it. So, I'm like a kid with a new <laughs> Great toy. to be on. Looking forward to next week already. Good on you, Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, our first player to tee off this morning, Tim O'Connor from Ballarat.
in Australia. Get in the hole! Good on you, mate, if you're still there. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trots Life. Toby McKinnon just in the seat. We've got... Darren Carroll was on Giddy Up this morning. He was on yesterday as well, and I like replaying it uh, as, again, I'm working today, so I won't be giving out any tips for Kilmore tonight. Yep, I did Ballarat last night, radio yesterday, Ballarat last night, radio today, Kilmore tonight, and off to Hamilton tomorrow. He tipped two horses. One was a first start of Quiet Storm, and I bumped in as Avio O'Connor, the trainer, and he said, oh, look, Tobe. I said, oh, Darren Carroll tipped this horse, must have trolled well. He said, look, Tobe. And I'm pretty good mates with Zave. He's a great young bloke. And, and Annalise Scott, a young driver, driving it as well. And he said, look, you're pretty green, this horse. And I wouldn't risk going forward with him because he could do all sorts of things wrong. Like he could he could gallop. Anything could happen. I just want to look after him at this point. So we'll be going back at the start. Uh, the horse was restrained. It raced roughly. It raced greenly, which is noted, <laughs> noted in the stewards' report. And Zave said... I didn't make it. A, I didn't make it. Favorite. It's it's a double sixty favorite. I didn't make a double sixty favorite. He wouldn't have been backing it. And just knowing how green the horse was, and then it raced that greenly as well. And I thought Annalise drove a terrific race on the horse. To you know, you got to remember this is a four year old horse. Xavier O'Connor's been paying up for this horse for five years he, since he bred the horse, and they want to look after it and maximise their return on that horse. And to go out last night. And all or nothing and try and win that race. They can damage that horse's uh, potential quite significantly by it uh, doing things wrong. It has a bad experience at the races and then it could could turn, you know, worse for the horse because it gets so scared next time. Instead, it was great drive. They looked after the horse. They took it back at the start. It got to the line really well. It'll learn a lot from that almost as an educational run or, or it was almost like a trial last night. And uh, I just, then you see on Twitter some people saying some stuff and um, it wasn't harsh or anything that uh, people said, but, you know, and it's just funny how they saw the race and, and they've obviously backed the horse, I would say, and they see it's so different sometimes to what the owner or the trainer does when they're just trying to maximise the return from their horse, which the payday mightn't be today, it might be uh, next week. Let's get to the news and then we'll catch up with Darren Carroll on the other side of the news. This man's been on fire for us since we kicked off Giddy Up. He's a superstar. The boy from the Mallee, Darren Carroll, joins us now to go through his selections at the Victorian Harness Racing meetings. Hello to you, Darren, mate. Um, I've got a couple of meetings to choose from, including this really good meeting at Maryborough where we see some of the best young trotters doing battle. Yeah, it's a challenging meeting, Maryborough, Gareth, because um, yeah, it looks like it's fairly exposed and a lot of shorties and it'll probably go fairly regulation to how most of the heats of the Breeders' Crown have been going so far. So there's just one race I'm going to target and target a little bit more unusually for the way I bet. But um, let's target race five, which is uh, the Crevash de Dior race, which is the Derby winner. This looks like a really simple scenario. Um, Iron Love will lead, hands up to Crevash Dior, and they'll run the Quinella. So um, I reckon take the exactor. 
Um, hope we get a little bit of a spoil there, and um, I can't see us missing there. So, Kravash door to win with I um, and Love to run second. And, you know, if you okay. want to play multis around those, then it seems like the way to play for me there. Yep, so um, the three... But nothing else really for the day. Yeah, mm. so the, the four to defeat the three. I, I might have found one for you when I was doing the form last night. Yeah, what did you find? Um, mm. There was a horse that won impressive. You're a little bit unlucky. Um, with the one you tipped there at Ballarat last night um, basically took no part, unfortunately. But the, the Lee Camp, they produced a really smart horse last night that won and led all of the way in that race I was talking about. But I watched its trial, that filly, um, she's a pace, and she trialled against um, the stable mate, which was Alder Baron Vera. Now, Alder Baron Vera's had a few issues. It went straight past that pace. You can get $9.50. I, I've got respect for Egret, but I – and even Cormayer, but I think Elder Baron Vera is as good, if not a little bit better than them. I um, mean, you can get nine fifty for her yeah, today. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not sure. Just a bit touchy's going that well as well. So, you know, yeah, it certainly, from an each way perspective, would be a good bet. Yeah, and she choked down last start. That's why she failed there at. Um, okay. At, in the Oaks, so then she had to go and trial, and she she trialed against the paces. I thought in a very impressive fashion. So at nine fifty, I might have something each way on her. What about at Kilmore tonight, Darren? Those uh, terrain trials are pretty good, aren't they, Gareth? Um, they are. There's been a few little winners coming out of those, and I well, think there's a couple more in the next few days as thank, well. So. Thank God they're videoing um, them. So, we'll... yep, absolutely. I, um, I've got. Let me tip... go to Kilmore tonight. Yeah, sorry, go. Yeah. No, I've got something yeah. talking about those terrain trials. Uh, I've got a horse with the leads with a few of my yeah. mates, Adam Hamilton, Darcy Gardner. I think Tommy Papley and David Taggart are in her. Um, I'm not much of a yep. punter, and I know they do, so they're going to hate me for this, but we are declaring her on Monday, Paddy Lee said. So um, there you go, <laughs> Charlton. Monday. Yeah, Jilly Bill Jetpacker name Charlton is. Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So well, she, I well, like one that's got in tomorrow, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they've got a they've got a first starter in tomorrow that looks very good on its trial as well. So, all right, mm. all right then. What are we Stay doing, Kilmore? For them. And we'll, uh, we'll we're going to tip one of these again. So, gee, um, they're doing hopefully doing some favours. So, race seven, number six, uh, Kiyang Zena. I know you're going to be supporting me here. Um, the start is crucial to this. I think it can cross um, and get to the pegs, and that will be the key to the race. Uh, the dangers are Illawong Moonbeam and Golden Sunset. And Golden Sunset was absolutely amazing last start, sitting three wide the trip and only getting been beaten by eight metres. But I think if Zena crosses to the front, um, was massive in a standing start on during the Redwood Carnival. Prior to that, ran third to Queen Alita, who possibly should be favourite for the Dominion, and Visionary, um, who's just in unbelievable form. So if you look at the form of that race, we're getting a fairly good price for something, um, you know, in a yeah. very, very competitive, uh, winnable race when we think it's going to find the front. So. I think she'll be mm. winning. I, I can't see you getting... I like it. I think she'll cross. Jazz Per might even cross um, Illawong Moon. Yeah, I do too. Mm. Or, and then um, that puts her three back to mm. fence. Yeah, Keying Cena. If G Craven can get yeah. her out and he's in good form, I think she's a good bet at 310. But that's just... And if you like yep, her, well, she should be a dollar ninety. Um. Well, we should get on now then, shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, the other one I like is uh, is race eight. Race eight, number six, Modern Bliss. Um, I just think it's found the right class. It's in with a claim for Alan Rickson. 
strong wide. Um, if it led, it would just probably be game over. But yeah. I'm not banking on it leading. Even if it sat in the sat in the death, it can dictate the speed from the death. Um, but I just think it's found the right race. Its main danger is going to have to come from behind it and make a you know a long sustained run. So I'm confident that um, you know, the right conditions will suit race eight. Number six, Modern Bliss, and they'll be the two for Kilmore tonight. Good on you, mate. Thanks for that, Darren. Good luck. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trots Life. No Jason Bonington, just Toby McKinnon here today. Now, I'm joined by Bernie Hewitt on the line. I'm very much looking forward to this chat, a man who's almost the CEO of Bernie Hewitt Harness Racing now. It seems a big operation. Bernie, mate, uh, firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Yeah, good, Toby. Um, I'm at Johnny Caldo's, just dragging the track, actually. Just finished, finished up work. So, uh, yeah, that's where I am. Oh, I've got you. You've, you've timed that. We've timed that beautifully. So nice to be not intruding into your busy day, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. No worries at all. Now, take us a bit through the last four or five years, and I think you'll probably tell me Wayne and Julie Loder have got a bit to do with the expansion of your business. You know, you regularly train 50, 60 winners, but four of the last five seasons you've had 100 plus, and I know there seems like a lot of sons and daughters come through the ranks as well, so the expansions come at a pretty good time, and really, mate, the whole team and everything just seems to be flying from afar. Yeah, uh, that's right, Toby. Yeah, normally um, probably train up around 80, 80 or so, 90 winners a year. And the last few years we've been getting over the ton. So that's been a, a bit of an achievement for the stable. And um, yeah, Wayne and Julie uh, have been long-time clients since I first moved to Bathurst 20, 22 years ago. And um, Wayne always syndicated a few horses and uh, supported the stable. And um, in more recent times, they, um, they've got... Uh, a lot more horses in the stables, uh, spent a lot of money uh, after coming into some good fortune and, um, yeah, certainly uh, helping the industry in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I see he's got a slot in the Eureka as well and dual melody, because it's drawn on sex, drawn the pole or rip, drawn seven. Who would you rather in a race like the Eureka or is it a bit of water to go under the bridge yet? Oh yeah, a lot of lot of water to go under the bridge. Uh, yet it's a long way away next September, and um, uh, obviously uh, Rip's the, the stable star at the moment. He's uh, he's really going great <clears throat> as a three-year-old. He'll be a four-year-old then, and um, you know, hopefully matured right out by then. He's a big boy, and um, and then Jewel Melody's sort of the new new kid on the block. She's had a terrific season. Um, I think she's had a dozen starts and, and won seven of them and hasn't been out of the money. She's won four group one races. So um, she's certainly, um, you know, not to be uh, overlooked. Um, she's she's obviously going to be a three-year-old when the Eureka comes around. So, you know, at this stage, it's uh, pie-in-the-sky stuff, but uh, we're, we're, you know, obviously aiming at those sort of races if it, if it sits in with them, if they're healthy, and um, hopefully everything goes right with them between here and there. I was, I'm going to use an analogy for Rip. He, when I was in Queensland, I actually went to the trials and saw him trial. He trialed quite well. But up there, he was like a young, tear-away, fast bowler. He was 
it was like he, you know, he, he was producing 150 kilometre hour balls, but you just didn't know where they'd go. They could hit the top of off stump, they could hit the toe, they could go down leg, or they could go to first slip. But just in this preparation, I know he's had the three runs and they've all been seconds, but he's looked a bit more like Josh Hazelwood, just just a bit more line and length and a bit more mature. Is is that a fair analogy? Yeah, probably is, Josh. He's um, certainly matured a lot. The trip away did him a lot of good, and um, yeah, and he certainly uh, he's he's bowling with a good line and length now, and uh, you know, yeah. bowled, but hopefully soon bowl a few over <laughs> over the wicket, and um, yeah, so we sort of um, really helped him. I think that trip away, you know, I um, between us we sort of made a mistake of, of going and racing him at Redcliffe, which really didn't suit him. Yeah. Um, and he jammed in on the bends and, and got onto his knee and so forth, and it sort of derailed his campaign up there. But there was a fair bit of merit in his next two runs uh, after drawing ordinary and, uh, you know, running running big trips up there. So, um, yeah, we come home, or we actually had a month off up there in the sun and, and come home and had another week off and then and progressed towards this uh, campaign now. So uh, I think even though it wasn't successful up there with Rip, in Queensland, I think it's uh, matured him the trip away, and um, I think now, like he's worked up really good and sensible, and um, you know he's settled a lot more in his races, and uh, you know we're really looking forward to this uh, the rest of the Breeders' Crown uh, series. Tricky draw Saturday night with him drawn eight. That's he's so fast at the finish. If he's covered up all the way, he'll be getting home, but it just doesn't look like a, he'll be in a winning position if that makes sense. But certainly in a qualifying for the final position. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, it looks like the, um, you know, there's every possibility he might be about three fence and, um, uh, you know, it's one of those races um, he only really has to qualify and then hopefully get the right draw in the final. So, um, he, he, you know, his run the other night was really good again and uh, at Bendigo. So, um, you know, Doug and I'll discuss it when Doug comes down on and, and Saturday and we'll decide what to, how's the best way to drive him. But um, obviously the main thing's to get him through. It does look like a tricky race to try and win from that uh, awkward draw, but um, the horse is feeling good and, and you know, eating, eating up terrifically. So, um, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's sometimes just a bit of luck in running sort of uh, can make all the difference. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see about that. Jewel Melody, you're driving yourself, so you'll be able to talk to yourself about this. Do you go forward at the start with her and keep pressing forward? In the, It is a semi-final, or do you take the risk of going back, which doesn't seem right to me? Uh, no, Toby, I'd, like she's a really strong mare. She's proven that over the, the time she's been race this season, that she um, can often take a, a race by the scruff of the neck and... Um, I, I believe, like, uh, her run first up again the other day. Huge. Um, Mary Barrow was first class, and um, she'll take a lot lot of benefit out of that run. Um, John brought her home for me that, that uh, afternoon because I had one engaged later in the day, and when I got home, I wondered whether John had even eat, uh, fed her because um, she was there looking for more tuck, and I checked it, and she was licked out. So um, it was a tough run, but she recovered really quickly from it, and um, I think she'll just sort of benefit from that, and um, and even benefit again from this run going forward. Yeah, wow. I, yep, that's great information. Glenn Ferryman and Mark Assassin are, are probably fair to say a level below, uh, and you'll be just hoping to get them through in a final, I suppose. 
Yeah, I'll drive um, Mac Assassin uh, in Rip's race, so um, I won't be sort of doing anything too fantastic with him. He'll probably chase the pegs, and um, he's actually working really well. I've been quite happy with him, and his run the other night was was pretty good. Uh, even though he didn't beat a runner home, he was right on the heels, and he did draw the wide gate that that night up there at Bendigo. So um, he's worked on really well here at home at John's place, and um, I feel that, um, you know, with even luck, he can sort of uh, qualify. And um, Glenn Ferryman, he, I think he's mainly away for for a bit of an education trip too. He's he's a bit uh, wayward at home and and so forth. But he's won two races this season, and um, I was quite happy with his his first up run down here the other day. And um, you know, he, he's a sort of horse that could just sneak in, but um, not too worried about him. If he gets in, that'd be great. And if he doesn't, we'll we'll look at a consolation race. Nothing wrong with being a bit wayward at home. I've been accused of that a few times myself. Uh... It doesn't just finish there Saturday night. <laughs> you'll be yep. watch you'll be watching some races from Nanga with great interest. You got three horses in group ones there as well. Should have passed in the three year old Colts and Geldings and Rippin Rubert and Mammals Alibi in the two year old version. It's a big night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's good to have those runners in the group one races back home and um uh, fair to say, should have passed. us probably outclassed in that race on Saturday night, and the other two are both uh, pretty nice horses in their own right. Um, Rip and Rupert's just uh, just lost him a little bit lately. I'm hoping he can produce his best Saturday night. Um, and then Mammals Alibi's a new kid on the block, big strong fella, and likes to do a bit of work. Um, been really happy with his progress. He was a he's a bit of bit of a rough gated horse earlier on, and. Um, just recently, we seem to have him on the right track. So, um, yeah, hopefully they can uh, they can sort of uh, do well up in those races. But I, I think um, the two-year-old Colts, it's going to be hard to beat Nathan Turnbull's horse. He's a really nice Colt up there and uh, on the way through. So, But uh, racing can dish up all sorts of things. So hopefully we're in the right spot at the right time up there. I just one more comment from you on Leap to Fame. Like, you've chased him home a few times now and... He's some sort of an animal, isn't he? Like to meet a three-year-old like him with a horse as good as Rip, you've probably been a bit unlucky in some sense. But it's, I don't know, it's a, just great to see horses like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, there's no no risk about that, Toby. It's um, it's always great to see a, a champion. I think that horse is well on his way to being one. He's um. You know, he's been trained at the minute uh, for most of his um, assignments. And, um, you know, Grant, Grant's had him tip-top and um, and driven him really well. So it is unfortunate we've run into him a few times uh, this this season. But, um, you know, I think if we could just get a draw uh, somewhere inside him, yeah. it'd be a great help to sort of beat him. And, um, you know, it's a lot of these results are about draws. So hopefully, hopefully the you know, the coin will turn in, in the next sort of... 12 months or so as you're racing that, that fella and other good horses along the way. 100%. Bernie, thanks so much for your time, mate, and uh, thanks for uh, dragging the track for Johnny. You'll appreciate that. <laughs> no worries then, Toby. Good on you, mate. Good on you. See buddy. you later. Good on you, Bernie. Bernie Hewitt with 
A massive uh, pair of hands he has on Saturday night. He's got one hand down here at Melton and one big hand up at Menangle. Let's get our last break away for the hour. Big second hour still to come. We've got uh, Mick Guren coming on from New Zealand with his weekly segment and then our Taz Racing segment with Jamie Cockshut and Cody Crossland is going to join us as well. Welcome back. Trot's life. Bit of a Kiwi classic is Mick Guren. Music's not bad either. Mick, mate, what a big day it was on Tuesday. And oh, I've, got a, I've got one standout question for you. But firstly, mate, how are you? Helps at the races. It's nice and the, the sun's out and everybody can enjoy themselves. And we had a very balanced cup field. Um, Manners helped win the race, but it was a Australasian Quinella, which again helps the interest on both sides of the Tasman yeah. and some intrigue around some other things, like for example, rock and roll do galloping away. So really enjoyable day. And we have what might actually be a better day of racing tomorrow because obviously we have the big trotters on the track as well. And the mobile start should help us see maybe the better version of horses like Rock and Roll Dog tomorrow. So it's been a big start to the week. It's going to be an even bigger finish. We have the Greyhound Cup at Addington tonight. We have 13 races at Addington Harness tomorrow. And we have ginormous fields at Rickerton for the 1000 Guineas and Galloping Cup day on Saturday. So fair bit to go. 100%, mate. Now... My one and only question that I really, we've been, I've been saying for weeks, after the running of the New Zealand Cup, Trotters Cup, we will be anointing the best horse in Australasia, but I just didn't get that sense out of that race. Do you, I, I uh, just, hello? yep, you got me or not? Oh, we just lost Mick, um, unfortunately. Let's, uh, don't, it's. Don't think it's us here. That might have been Mick. Let's ring him back uh, live. Uh, he's, he's ringing away there. He might be. You there, Mick? You got us back again? I sure am, mate. That's yeah. That's good. Our apologies, Toby. We seem to have lost you. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Now, my question is, I thought we would anoint the best horse in Australasia out of this, but after what we saw of copy that in Victoria this campaign. Oh, it's hard for us to fathom he's the best horse in Australasia and rock and roll do probably didn't get his chance to really prove himself after galloping away. So I'm none the wiser after the race than what I was before the race, Mick. And you give so much great clarity to these things. I'm interested in your thoughts on it. Yeah, look, first of all, I agree with you. I think there's no dominant best horse in Australasia. And what I've found over the last five years since we've started putting together very different types of racing, and one of those being New Zealand has standing fast and thought it does not, Menangle has predominantly mile racing, which is a vastly different thing as well, yeah. is I think the best horse in Australasia is a very fluid question depending on where we're racing. Because five or six years ago, Lazarus was clearly the best horse in Australasia, and yet he could have won Miracle Miles at Menangle. So I think... In New Zealand, Copy, that's the best horse in Australasia when they race in New Zealand because his record in the last two years has been outstanding. He's won two New Zealand Cups. And 
some massive handicap wins, and he's he's been very good all the time. He just doesn't seem to like Victoria. He's been okay in Queensland. I think if you held all the races in Victoria at Melton or mm. Kilmore, then Rock and Roll would probably be the best horse in Australia because that'll be mobile start. And I think if you go to Menangle, the McCarthy and Grimson horses get their chance to shine at something they do week in, week out. So I think the best horse in Australasia, probably more like the Gallops are, yeah. where you don't have one definitive horse, is getting to the stage where it's going to be dependent on what type of race, what distance, mobile starts, even left-handed, right-handed. Let's not forget Alexander the Park goes right-handed, and some horses handle that better. So, yes, it's a very fluid question, which is good for punters, because smart punters can try and cash in. I, I wasn't in love with Coffee yet a month ago, but yeah. he ended up being my top pick in the cup because he's so good at what he does at this type of racing. So, yep, we managed to back a winner there. We'll change tack completely for the Inter Dominion, which, of course, are now only 16 days away from starting in Victoria. Yeah, I, I love your point, and particularly about the gallops. It's like having Black Caviar's the best horse over 1,400, Winx is the best horse over 2,000, and Maccabi Diva's the best horse over 3,200. We've just got that now in harness racing, you know, in present time, which, copy that, might be the best over 3,200. King of Swing over a mile at the angle. There's no better example. Yeah, go. There's no better example than than the three-year-olds. I mean, Leap to Fame will outstay Captain Ravishing, but Captain Ravishing will almost certainly beat Leap to Fame over a mile at the angle. And that's also because of the breed. As we know, the breed is changing. You know, the better's delights are always going to cop a bit of distance better than some other horses, and yet you get a Captain Treacherous or, you know, some of the some beach, some weirs, and they'll be remarkably fast horses over the shorter trips, but also the fact that we're training them differently. The boys in New South Wales train their horses differently from the people in Victoria, and neither of those states give their horses standing start practice very often, whereas yeah. everybody in Zealand does. So you're producing different skill sets and different fitness levels and different types of horses for different racing, which we've never had before. And one of the big reasons for that is the change in the angle track size. It's brought that apart. But also Victoria canning, pacing, standing starts um, does have the slight issue of horses like Rock and Roll do not being able to show their best under those circumstances on Tuesday. What about Majestic Cruiser? He has had some sort of a year, Mick. He has. He's been remarkable, and he's a, he's an old-fashioned staying horse. He loves yeah. to follow the speed, and sort of, I enjoy watching him race. Um, he's in a tricky situation tomorrow in the free for all because again he's drawn the second yeah, no. line, so he'll be back at the field. And though is to help him win, he's a funny horse because he can clearly get beaten in a free for all at Menangle if they go slow, and yet he could win a New Zealand Cup if they go fast. So. Uh, he's in an inter- interesting situation tomorrow, for those who don't know. The pacing's free for all tomorrow. Sees Rock and Roll do go from barrier five. Spankham six, Self-Assured seven, Old Town Road and Majestic Cruiser off the second line. They will need tempo. There will be tempo, but the problem could be the tempo may only be the last 800 metres. And if that happens, it doesn't become a swoopers tempo. It becomes a tempo that's incredibly hard to make ground around the last bend. So... They need fireworks early, unless Natalie really pushes the button with Spankham. I don't see those fireworks coming. You, so, do you think Elder Wise Guy will lead because BD Joe's the stablemate's going to be on its back, or do you think Cranbourne gets across? Very do you think rock and, rock and Roll do leads? I can't. You tell me who will lead this race. 
Well, there's a story going on Harness Race in New Zealand and on the trots.com tomorrow and in the New Zealand Herald where um, Steve Telfer has declared they will be using all measures to hold the front on Ultra Wise Guy. That's how they tend to drive anyway. Yep. It's not just because the stable mate's on his back. That's just what they do. That's how they operate. So that being the case, um, Rock and Roll do almost certainly will be sitting parked. I, I put that scenario to Michael Stanley today. He said, I'm relaxed about that. We won the Victoria Cup there. I reckon he beats older wise guys sitting parked, and then it comes down to who's on his back and what they're able to achieve. I reckon they could be running home tomorrow, last 800 on a nice day in 54 seconds, even quicker. So that's yeah. going to be a really interesting test for those back in the field. Spankham's the one horse who can change the shape of the race, but I just think he's lost his absolute blazing gate speed. If he gets across to the front, A, he might hand the rock and roll too, also, B, he might hand himself assured. So, Spankham holds the key in many ways because I think if Alter Wise Guy holds the lead, uh, there's definitely no handing it. We've talked about paces and different distances and different horses. Sunday's Sun in the Dominion over 3,200 metres. It's been pretty formidable over the last few years, Mick. Yeah, and look, they injected his joints. He had two recent gallops and they injected his joints. And, you know, obviously it's legal, you're allowed to do it. And it turned him around for Kaikoura, which was now 10 days ago, and it feels like about four weeks ago. And he was far better there. And most importantly, Bolt for Brilliance is out of the race. Uh, we'll get to him in a second. But Muscle Man has drawn barrier one. And I spoke to Ben Hope today, and he said, look, I need to hold on to him early because he can roll into a gallop. He's almost given up any possibility he could hold the front. He thinks he'll get crossed, which means if Sunday's son behaves himself, he should be rolling to the lead, and that should be game over. So that's what I think will happen uh, for the Dominion. I think Sunday's son will probably get the lead, and Muscle Mountain could be tucked away two or three back if, in fact, he trots all the way, which is going to make it very, very difficult for him. And you touched on some news, I think, related to the Inter-Dominion, perhaps? Bolt for Brilliance? Um, yeah, so Bolt for Brilliance... Bolt for Brilliance is out of the Dominion. He gunks down his throat after his poor performance on Tuesday. He's been treated with antibiotics, so he can't race this week, obviously. Yep. Tony Hurley, he still wants to bring him to the Inter-Dominions. So he'll take him home, dust him off next week. Um, usually, ABs tend to work very quickly on something like this, and yeah. by this time next week, he should be fine. That would still give him a chance to be fast work a couple of times before he jumps on the plane the following Wednesday. At uh, my best guess... I would say he's 80-20, 70-30 to come to the Interdons. And, of course, the heat shouldn't be overly taxing for a horse of his ability if he's back to his best. So I think, effectively, he has a month till the Inter-Dominion final tomorrow. So if he's got a month, well, actually today, it's a month today. If he has a month, there's plenty of time. There's no need to panic. Yeah, yeah. But they're just going to not need anything else to go wrong with him. Uh, and particularly in the next 10 days, but after that, you would want him to get over there, be feeling good about life. I think he'll t he's a horse who hasn't been sick a lot in his life, actually. So it was unusual to see him get crook. Some horses get crook all the time, and he doesn't. I think they'll turn him around, but we'll try and keep people updated through social media and SENZ and SEN on, um, on just what happens with him, because he obviously holds the entire key to the end of the million trotting series, even though he's been beaten in both starts in the South Island. Totally willing to forgive now, because we know what the excuse was. I, I don't think he'd have to... You wouldn't want to come into the heats 100% anyway. So if he works into a bit of more fitness after a, you know this very short layup during Inter-Dominion heats, 
and peaks for a final. It actually reads not too bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I've still got no issue with him if he turns up in his peak. Obviously, he could be too good for them if he turns up at his peak. But, um, yeah, we're going to need to get there first. The key fact of him is getting on the plane. If he gets on the plane, he's still got two and a half weeks to get to his peak. Yeah. But he's got to get on the plane because if he doesn't get on the plane, none of us matters. Talk about getting on the planes. What about Brad Williamson? He drives at Maryborough at 12.47 today, right? I don't know if you're familiar with this. He drives at Kilmore tonight for a... Uh, on an Australian horse for a tr- local trainer, Justin Livingston, in race one at Kilmore at 5.03 p.m. And then tomorrow, he drives Majestic Man uh, in 2.52 hour time in the Dominion. Uh, talking about getting on planes, I think Brad Williamson's doing a bit of that at the moment. Yeah, and a very ambitious young man, um, one of the bright young guns of Australasian harness racing, outstanding fella from a great family. So he's the sort of person who'll bounce out of that in one piece. He's, he's a very um, fun-loving, ambitious, driven young man, as are his brothers, Nathan and Maddie. But Nathan and Maddie have kids and Brad doesn't. So he just gets on with life and does what he wants, and he's going to be doing that today. Mick, uh, thanks for coming on, mate. That was a pretty comprehensive wrap, and tomorrow's another great day. So I hope you enjoyed as well. And uh, we're all pretty envious. It looked like a wonderful day on Tuesday as well. But it was. If, uh, if the listeners are looking for a bet, I don't know if oh, you yep. tip on this segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. quite tomorrow. Yep. I reckon Advanced Party. I reckon Advanced Party can win the Phillies race tomorrow. I think Carlos Flyby will hold the lead. And if it does, I think Advanced Party's in the trail. They'll need to be good to beat Millwood Nike because she's very, very good. But just the way the track's been racing, Advanced Party, maybe a little each-way chance. I think if you're shopping with them today, you might get 4.5 for her. So maybe an each-way chance tomorrow in race 7, number 10. Race 7, number 9, advanced party is. Race 7, number 9, Barry Purden trains Zach Butcher taking the drive. Thanks for the tip, Mick. We always love a tip. Toby, talk to you next week, mate. There is Mick Goulin, uh, got the first at Maryborough, the first of the Breeders' Crown, two-year-old Phillies heats is underway. We might take the last lap of this race. We heard from uh, Garrick Knight yesterday about uh, the expected ability of a horse called Al Marvella, who is actually uh, in this race. So after that, we might just take the last lap of this race. It's it's at the moment last. I didn't see what happened early. Cognati, the $1.04 favourite, is in front. So be interesting to see how this one of uh, Brent Lilly's goes uh, here. I think this should work if Sequence. I just turn this up. And Slocky McIntosh, me great mate. Romantic Nina. Last to the group was our Marvella. The Kiwi bred love you on debut. And tailing out the back, Sorella after that break. They head down the back. 32-4 was the second quarter. They've got a very slow first uh, portion of the race, but they're starting to quicken up now. Sugars has a good hold on Cognati. She's full of running down to the end of the back straight. Dichotomy is up, keeping her company the stable mate. And third, travelling well. She's a whisk, just waiting on that Sky Valley sprint lane to open up. Off the pegs in fourth is Zara. The inside was uh, Vichy Bloom. Uh, galloping is Zara there. Also, Romantic Nina broke. And getting through on the inside was our Marvella. 29-9 that went down the back. Cognati and Dichotomy, the two stable mates, head and head. And about to come up along the Sky Valley sprint lane. She's a wish as they head into the lane. Cognati with a kick. Dichotomy the outside running a race. It's the inside. Cognati nursed along. Dichotomy's only a metre away, trying valiantly. But Cognati, the Redwood winner, will win under a grip. Dichotomy second. 15 away third. 
bird, she's a wish. And Almar Vella. It's a Tubbs Quinella. And yeah, it did miss away Almar Vella and got to the line really, really strongly. It's only run fifth, I know. Chris Alford hasn't moved on the horse. Uh, I'd be looking, it's run fourth actually in the end. Uh, it's gone very nicely, Armour Vella. Uh, I'd be looking at the final, and if you can get something north of about $10 on Armour Vella, uh, might be worth a little bit of a play. Let's get to a break. We'll come back the other side with uh, Jamie Cockshut, our great friend from Taz Racing. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trots Life. And there's something, uh, I'm just talking to Jamie off air, and there's something I've been meaning to talk to him about, and I'll give him a question without notice in a moment, but I'm sure he'll answer it. No worries. Jamie, firstly, mate, uh, how are you? And uh, I think be pretty sure from some of the tooting in the background that you're in Vietnam. Yeah, no, in Vietnam, mate, as you can hear, the, the bikes are rearing around the streets, mate. There's um, thousands and thousands of bikes on the streets every bloody second of the day, mate. <laughs> now, the Harness Charity Challenge, uh, for, it's a fantastic thing the whole month, and Pogger does a wonderful job, and our good friend of the show, Sooty Hunt, I think collected a little bit of funds, and it was a charity, mate, that uh, you might be able to quickly tell us a little bit about too. Yeah, well, I started travelling in Vietnam about six years ago, Toby, and I just, uh, just the story behind it, I went to the War Museum in Saigon and I broke out in tears what happened way back when the war was on, you know. I didn't realise how serious it was over here, but the tenacity of the Vietnamese fought the Americans off in the end, mate, and, um, yeah, I just fell in love with the story and when I travelled around, I seen some very poor people, a lot of orphan children... Um, some sad stories, so I got off my backside and started to do something about it. And I think I ventured over here four times in about 18 months, just do some old charity causes, you know, just by myself. We've also some friends donate money, and, you know, Sooty's been an integral part of that for a long, long time. He's been one of the, the first ones that jumped on three and four years ago, and also a lot of fellas from Tasmania. But, yeah, we just look for cases you know that are very sad and like orphanages where they've lost their parents or something's happened mate and even up in the mountains there's some very poor schools that haven't even got you know the, the schools are built on a bit of dirt mate they haven't even got desk or anything inside so that's just a little bit of an insight to how bad it is and you know sort of had a good month he he actually sent me some money last week that i received and i think with his running fifth it was a bit over fourteen hundred and fifty dollars i got so i'm just planning on some sort of um charity cause to do that but i reckon we'll head up to the mountains to a to a little school and help out um the less privileged up there mate you know around christmas time <laughs> just to step back and you don't do this generally when you're involved in it. just step back for a moment Pogger Solder has started a harness charity challenge. Some blokes pretend to bet through the month of October. A whole hope of others donate effectively. And there's a school in the mountains of Vietnam are going to benefit from that. If that's not a beautiful thing, I'll go, hey, mate. When you step back and think about it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, a lot of the big charities around, they're run by CEOs and that. So they get, yeah. a, port, they get a percentage of everything donated. So... 
Um, that's my only gripe with big charities. Um, you know, there's people up above that get paid good money to do this and to do that. With this one, every single cent goes into the cause. Um, and the children or the, the families get everything that's, um, that's already sent over and, and raised, mate. And once we get it all done, mate, there'll be photos up everywhere and even a video and... Yep. You know, all thanks to Sooty um, for all his generosity, you know, over the month of October and owning his horses. I think he had owned nine winners, so he donated $100 for every winner he owned, which was 900 and he, he ran fifth, and I think that was about 520-something as well that yep. um, Pogger put into his bank account. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's very soul-searching. I just wish Sooty would get off his clacker and get a passport and get over to Vietnam, mate. He keeps saying, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, but because... Um, He's hard to be melted like mine does when you see the look on these young children, mate, that wouldn't know what, you know, nothing is. They just play with sticks. Like one year I seen an act, there's a dead snake, right? Yeah. And they were using that as a skipping rope. Yeah. That's wow. how bad That's how bad it is somewhere. They come in the fort of rope, they was using a dead snake, and they was using it as a skipping rope, mate. So, yeah, but no, it's, it's a different... Insight once you go outside of the cities of Vietnam, just how poor it can be. But the thing about them, mate, they've always got a smile on their face. They don't say, poor me, poor me. They just get on with life and, and keep trudging through. Now, we might um, go to an early news, actually. And then I can't I can't get you to tip horses straight off the back of that. It just seems so irrelevant uh, Try to back a winner. So what we'll do is we'll go to the news and we'll come back the other side and we'll get some tips off you. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trots Life, Toby McKinnon and Jamie Cockshut as we're in our Taz Racing segment. And we're going to find some winners here, I reckon. And we're going to kick off on Friday at Hobart. It's Heats of the Evicus. Evicus? Yeah, Yeah, the Evicus for the two-year-old fillies, mate, and the Danny Patch for the two-year-old Colts and Gildings. CT Chelsea for Christy Butler, a stable that uh, you are connected to. Race one, number one's your first tip, mate. Yeah, she's just trying to get the right run. I reckon she'll love leaders back. I reckon really naughty will run the gate and find the lead, and CT Chelsea will just get the soft trip behind it. And She has got a good turn of foot, CT Chelsea, when she's held up, and I reckon she'll get the sprint lane, and that'll see her get the job done at around about the $3, $3.50 mark. Now, I won't name names either, Jamie, but uh, I did get a, mess- a text message privately to me, Jamie Cockshut Loveheart, on Sunday night after you were tipping a couple of really good winners. So keep going, mate. Race four is your second one. That's got me a bit worried, mate. That is. Jeez. It was a man. But, uh, race a man. four, number nine, Corrado Artemis. Um, he's definitely got the biggest motor out of, out of the runners, but his manners do let him down sometimes. But he did put in a full... Proof display last time and he broke the, the state record for two-year-olds. So if he brings that form, he'll get the job done again. But there is a couple of nice ones in it against him. So it's not going to be a lay-down Mazzea, but we'll get $2.20, $2.40, I reckon, and he's a good gamble. Then we go over to race five, number one, one Captain Cosmonaut. He looks very well graded in this race, drawn the pole. He'll either lead or take a sit behind the leader, and either way he gets every possible chance. And... Yeah, I reckon he'll win too, mate. Should be three dollars fifty, four dollars around that sort of mark. And yeah, I reckon, I reckon the three of them got really good chances on Hobart on Friday night, Toby. To be honest, 
Launceston on Sunday is an even bigger meeting because we've got the three-year-old uh, band box and globe derby finals and your first of your best comes up in that band box final and you've got uh, Iden Boutique, race three, number three it is. Yeah, race three, number three then, mate. Iden Boutique, um, she won the heat the other week. She done all the work, so she sat outside May's place and baby, you were slogging every chance to run her down, so... It's going to be a pretty similar setup on Sunday night, so I just reckon you know with a repeat effort she'll get the job done again and and cap off a really good season for the for the filly and um and her owners and connections. Um, she should be about two thirty two forty, mate. Really? Then we go over to race four, number one, Vicky O. This is the final for the three old Colts and Geldings. He's a he's the best horse in the race. He's drawn barrier one, so. He hasn't showed brilliant gate speed in his career, so he's going to have to kick up, and I'm sure there'll be a few out wide just put a bit of pressure on just to see where he's a little bit vulnerable early, but young Matty Howlett knows the horse inside out. He drives him to his ability. He won't panic if he does get crossed. Um, he'll just find a way to get off the pegs at some stage if he doesn't lead, and he'll be winning, mate, and you know, he's one of our leading chances for the Eureka next season, to be honest, mate, in, in my eyes. Um, then we go to race nine, number 12, Bridwell Bella. She's been a bit of a favourite of mine in recent weeks, but she's she's let me down. She hasn't won, but she's still been racing well. Um, this is a slight drop in class, and I reckon she'll loop the field at, you know, over the last four or five hundred and get the job done and, and repay the loyal followers. Couple of Valley, race one, number 13, Kivik. Um, made up really good ground along the pegs last week. You know, got very close at big odds. I think we tipped him and he started 60 to 1 and another five strides, six strides, I reckon he would have got the job done for us. Uh, 13, he's going to need a bit of luck around there, but Gareth Rattray knows how to drive and um, he's driven plenty of winners and he'll get the job done for us in race one at around the 5 or $6 mark. Race five, number six, Blitzen. Um, Alan McDonoghue's a really drive long fellow in the, the four-year-old size final. Um, so he's brought Blitzen across to go in the heat of the Tassie Golden Apple, which is a pretty big series stand start. He comes off a very brave placing the other week behind our millionaire in one of the country cups over in Melbourne. Um, he's off the 10 metre mark, but he should just begin slowly and safely. And then from there, he'll take a pair of beating, although he's up against some pretty talented locals headed by Harjeet and co. But what, what he should be... What about Mighty Flying Arts, uh, claimed last week by Ben Yole and goes straight into the Golden Apple Heaty. The way he's been racing in those claimers, he's not without a chance. No, nah, that's right. There's five or six chances, mm-hmm. mate. It is, it is another one. It's just, it's just a stand start because well, yeah, yeah. that's the tricky thing of the Victorians, but they don't have no, well, they have no stand start racing. So wherever he's had been able to have a trial, like he's been racing and Ben's got him in a week, I'm sure Ben's put a bit of work into him, but it's, you know, it's not an ideal prep for a heat, you know, coming out of mobile straight into it, but we're, you know, that's pretty similar for Blitzen as well, but, um, yeah, that's a tad tricky, but it's a pretty good field, right? There'll be another heat in another week or so, so the final's going to be a ripper in, you know, in three or four weeks, that's for sure. Mighty Flying Art did race in a few stands when he was in New Zealand, though, so he has seen it, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, I know as a young horse, mate, I was offering big money for him. I was offering 150, 160,000 for him as a youngster, but they knocked it back. So I don't know what happened then, because he's very, very well related. Mighty flying art he was as a, as a youngster. The Granny Smith, um, race six. 
Yeah, this is another really good race. This was a four-year-old man's final. Uh, Mellon Rowley's going to be favourite, and deservedly so. So over 2,700, so that's going to find a few of them out. So mm. if there's a bit of speed, it's gonna, we need one that can get a bit of cover in the race and, and hit the line hard, and I reckon that's leisure. Um, going to be given by Liam, Liam Alder, who's just you know, just flying at the moment, Liam. He'll go back with leisure and he'll just drive for luck. And if they do put a bit of pressure on up top, don't be surprised to see this little mare get down the outside at, you know, at 15 or 20 to 1 and, and run a big race. And then we go to race 8, number 11, Finn Frost. Connor Cook's back in town, which is great to see. Connor's brought Finn Frost over for this race. It's another tough race. It's not an easy race. Brooklyn Ball has drawn the pole. So he's going to take a power of beating. But I just reckon there'll be a bit of speed up front and Finn Frost might be the the beneficiary of that and get to the outside and hit the line strongly like he has been recently, you know, for Connor since Connor took over the training of him. He'll be about 12 or 14 to 1. He's worth a good each way gamble. The quality will play it two ways, Tobe. First leg will go 3, 6, 7, 10, 11. Second leg, 5, 1 out. That's Mellon Rowley. Third leg, 4, 1 out, Longfellow. Last leg will go 1, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11 and 12. $35 for 100%. And we'll go a bit wider in the next one in the second leg. We'll go 3, 6, 7, 10, 11. Second leg, 7, 8, 12. Third leg, 4. Last leg, 1, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, and 12. $52.50 50 will give us 50% of the dividend, mate. I reckon a Brooklyn brawl will win the last leg, mate. I'd have it one out, but uh, you're the man. You're the man. I, I just think there's going to be a fair bit of pressure. Ben's got a fair few horses on it, so, in it, so yeah, I don't okay. reckon a Brooklyn brawl will get it pretty easy up front as like he has been. And Long, Longfellow just wins the Raider Stakes, doesn't he? Well, he, he should, but he was impressive in his heat. But that was a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sure he's had the screws tightened down him mm. down on him in in the last two weeks. And yeah, he should just he should just win that. And and it wouldn't shock me to see him go around in the heat of the Golden Apple the following week. Yeah, you know, now that he's over here, and especially if Blitzen's here, so that could be well out there for the. For the followers of Tassie Harness Race, don't be surprised to see Longfellow go around the Tassie Golden Apple in the weeks, the following week. Jamie, thank you very much, mate. Uh, great to get some tips off you. And yes, uh, there was a very happy punter on Sunday night with you. So, um, uh, well, good luck to you, mate. I'm glad he won a few dollars, mate. That's yeah, what it's all about. Hundred percent. Good on you, mate. Uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Cheers, buddy. There's Jamie Cockshut for the Taz Racing segment. Uh, let's get a breakaway. And there's one. There's another race coming up at Maryborough in about seven minutes, and there's another horse we heard about uh, from Garrick Knight as well. So we we mightn't get that whole race in, but we might catch the last lap or so of it. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touchdown in the land of. Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring rain. Cheat a good song. Good mate of mine loves this song, loves it when I play it. Mr. Moy, often known as Starter Nathan Moy. <laughs> it is a great tune, Walking in Memphis. Now, a few minutes here just to fill out. We do have this horse, Aloha Kenny. Aloha meaning love in Maori, but uh, often uh, I think it means a lot more than just love. It's about uh, compassion and uh, being at peace in one with nature as well. So it's an all-encompassing word more than just what uh, 
love can mean in some senses about uh, maybe a man and a woman loving each other. It's it's more than just that. So uh, aloha, Kenny, for Phil and Brad Williamson. It's it's, really, it's unfathomable <laughs> that Brad Williamson is here today. He was uh, driving in New Zealand on Tuesday and COVID certainly well and truly behind us now, isn't it? That he's here today, drives one at Maryborough, one at Kilmore, and he gets back to uh, New Zealand tomorrow to drive in the Dominion on Majestic Man, who isn't coming for the Inter-Dominion, which he was one horse from New Zealand I sort of had penciled in, I thought would be coming, but uh, he's had a pretty big campaign over recent weeks. So, yeah, we heard this pretty good, strong, strong race, this two-year-old trotting Philly's second heat. Rockin' with Attitude was enormous, enormous in the uh, Redwood. Susan is her name, shows great consistency. Elder Baron Miley for Chris Sinocio should be uh, respected. And, of course, this uh, trotter from New Zealand, Aloha Kenny, uh, they're not here... Um, they're not here for no reason, Phil and Brad Williamson, with this filly. They obviously think it's a genuine chance of uh, winning the Breeders' Crown. So if that's the case, uh, it should be a major chance in this race. And it's number six, and it's currently $9. So uh, we heard from Garrick Knight at how good this filly is. He thinks she's pretty, pretty good. Uh, so that's where the big fellas of the world just have a little each way here. Race two, number six on Aloha Kenny. They're just circling at the moment. A great, uh, unfortunately, couldn't catch up with Mark Pitt, big fella, if you're still listening, but we will catch up with him sometime soon. And, uh, your little horse, uh, was very impressive at Geelong. I wonder when it's going to race next. Uh, I thought it might've been Breeders Crown eligible, but maybe it's not. So you're going to have a bit of fun with that horse. That is for sure. Uh, where's the gold um, as the mobile's just moving into position here. That's the other one in the race, Val Valerie Lane for Peter and Karen Manning. It's also not without a chance. It's $34. So the, Susan is her name is $1.40, which I would say is massive unders. Rocking with Attitude is probably the best horse in the race of what we've seen so far. And uh, it's just a little bit enigmatic. If it trots away and trots all the way, I think it will win. But, uh, yeah, a, a roll hard, Kenny, definitely the one that's a little bit of value at uh, the $9, out to nine fifty at the moment. Lockie McIntosh will be calling this race. We will not get the end of this race, I don't think. We've got about two minutes until uh, the next break, and then it'll be Lee Dalton and Palmer Bet. We might be able to just catch the... Might be able to get the end of it. Great couple of days. Thanks to Tim O'Connor for... Teeing off with Tim this this morning was great fun with Tim as well. That's going to be a weekly segment on Thursdays, which I call Moving Day now. Thanks to Bernie Hewitt as well. He gave us uh, some of his time. It was a well-coordinated, and uh, it's great working with these trainers, and they're so sensible. They don't, they're such busy people, the smart ones. They don't lose a moment of time whenever they can, and uh, he was very clever, Bernie. He was uh, dragging the track for Johnny Caldo. Uh, as he stays down with Johnny. He's had horses go backwards and forwards with Johnny over many, many, many years, actually. Uh, Wayne Loder, he's, he's good owner too, has had horses down here with Johnny at times as well, I'm sure of. I'm only going off the top of my head here. As uh, Rockin' With Attitude has led, and uh, Susan is her name, has sit up uh, parked outside the leader, and Aloha Kenny is currently one out, one back. 
Uh, Valerie Lane behind the leader. Three back the fence is Elder Baron Miley and Bullion Girl has settled in six. The other two, uh, Elder Baron Frieda and Elder Baron Bree, both gallop. So it's in a great position. If you've backed Aloha Kenny, you'd be very happy with it in the one-out-one back. Now, uh, tomorrow's show, it will move to the Friday form panel. Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. I'm just working on the assumption that it'll be those two tomorrow. This afternoon, taking over from me in just a moment or two's time, David Taggart turns 49. 49. Now, off the text machine, we don't want text saying, is he 49 inches tall? Is he 49 feet wide? None of those jokes. He's 49 years of age. The great man, D Taggart. He is the captain of SEN track. And, uh, yes, I'm, I'm a harness racing person, but... Massive news spilt by Gareth Hall that D Taggart has a share in a harness horse that has its first start at Charlton on Monday. Jillaby Jetpack. I have no doubt that uh, it will be winning. As we go into the hard out music, which means we've got 40 seconds, and there's about 40 seconds to go in this race. Rocking with attitude in front. Nothing's really changed. Susan is her name sitting up parked. And 1-1 one, one is Aloha Kenny. Hopefully you can get home if you've had a little bet on it. Big fella says, not going anywhere, Toby. Yeah, I knew you had COVID, big fella. Hopefully it's not affecting you too bad. And uh, you're up and about in no time, mate. Always great to have you part of the family. As this show wraps up, 14 seconds to go, 25 seconds in the race. It's still a chance, Aloha Kenny. We'll cheer at home in the ad break. <laughs>